The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today, I've got another member of the ICO 101 podcast. That's Aaron Paul with us today. Thank you so much for being with us on the show, mate. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No dramas whatsoever. So last week or recently, we, we interviewed um, Matthew. Matthew Aaron, lots of Aarons in your world. And uh, we, we discussed a few bits and pieces in the space, which was really interesting. Today, I want to focus more so on the ICO space, as that is obviously what your show is focused on. Um, yes. I mean, what was your, first of all, give us a bit of an introduction on yourself, how you got into crypto, all that sort of stuff, just so we've got a bit of background on you there, Aaron. Cool. Uh, my name's Aaron Paul. I am the host of ICO 101, a crypto 101 podcast. I got into crypto via Matthew Aaron. In fact, I have become a, a little bit of a fan of your show in the short time that I've heard of you. Uh, when I found out I was going to be on the show. I love, I love day trading, and I was actually got into I got into day trading in two thousand and fifteen. And in two thousand and in two thousand and fifteen, I first heard of this Bitcoin at a trader and investment summit by a gentleman named Chris Dunn. He gave a presentation. And um, of course, I listened to my friends and they hated all over it. And so I just kind of walked away from it. And then I was talking to Matthew. Matthew's a good friend of mine. I've known him for many, many years. And I said, hey, Matthew, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get into s- some day trading again. I want to get back into investing. And, uh, and he said, hey, man, check out, check out this, this crypto stuff. And so I did. And <laughs> in fact, I didn't even know he had a podcast for uh, some time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he was just doing his thing and, uh, and man, I got hooked real quick and that's been about a little over a year now. So, and I didn't, I didn't jump in there right away in terms of putting my money in there. What I did was I'm a, I'm a studier. So I studied, I, I consumed some podcasts, I literature as best as I could try to understand. It. And I really tried to understand it from a tech perspective, which was a little difficult until you started investing and putting money into it. And so, and that's what I did. I started putting money into it probably October yep. of last year. And, uh, I've just been, I've just been steady, a steady hand, uh, since. Excellent. So interesting that you've, uh, you've you've dabbled your your feet in the water, so to speak, into trading. It's uh, it's an awesome space. It just requires a lot of discipline and uh, a lot of yes. control of emotion. So you've basically come in off the back of your mate. Awesome. That's how many of us start. That's mm-hmm. how um, yeah, that the space grows. I suppose it's uh, at the moment a lot of it's word of mouth or word of media, and uh, the media has gone quiet. And mind you, many mouths have gone quiet as well <laughs> since October, November, December, and then obviously uh, the last sort of three months we've been relatively sideways. So um, interesting how you got in. Excellent. Everyone's got their own interesting story, and I like to hear what that uh, what that is. So I mean, you've. Um, You've got the ICO show. I mean, have you been? Were you in heavily invested, or were you investing in ICOs uh, in the last sort of twelve months, or is it something you've been just commentating? It's funny because when Matthew wanted to do this show, when he wanted to separate the brands and make ICO one hundred and one, I had just started wanting to really dive into the the ICO side of things, and so I did it with intentions of investing in ICOs. And so, so I, so I did. So I started, I started looking into ICOs and then here we are, lo and behold, I, ICO 101. I have only invested in the Veris Foundation as an ICO. And I really liked that ICO. I don't 
No, I don't think they've done much with anything. I got to actually look at my wallet. I, I think that they got stopped out in the market, but I, I got to talk to Chris. Great guy. Great company. Great. I just really liked them. And uh, I saw them at Ethereal. He seemed he seemed really positive and, and I really liked the company. But then I, I kind of stopped investing in the ICOs when I started learning that they're kind of could be borderline illegal, a lot of them, in, in terms of the securities. And um, so I've kind of taken a pause and just kind of seeing how STOs take off and see kind of where, at least in the US, regulation goes, if it goes anywhere, kind of hanging out for a little bit. Pretty much if you if you invested in an ICO, oh, you know, last year, sort of between September to December, it, it, look, the project didn't need to be any good. You know the market. The market just went well, and you know I've spoken about it quite uh, frequently about the fact that I think that um, you know ICO mania when it was in full swing um, was filled with with many kids that would basically I, I likened it to uh, like a school project where you'd you know you you do you do your website that was your pretty visuals a couple of little videos here and there uh, you'd, you'd build that out you'd, then you do your English part of that that uh, that assignment which was the white paper and the white papers often were filled with spelling mistakes and I can remember speaking with some people that had done well in ICOs and I said I said mate look it's, this is full of spelling and like grammar mistakes it's not good yeah. Look, I'm not good at spelling and I'm terrible at grammar, but I can tell you right now that when it comes to putting out a white paper, I'll be handing that over to somebody to triple and quadruple check that because that shit's important. And um, and then they were saying to me, oh, yeah, but that's not so important. It's like, that's not important? Like, I'm, I'm a traditional investor. I'm a trader of 12 years. I've been around for, for long enough to know that if somebody's attention to detail on that sort of stuff is that lacking, likely they've missed a few other things. So it was like kids going out and doing a school project and raising $30, $40 million. Now, of course, this year, we uh, the rubbers hit the road, so to speak, and many projects have done nothing, diddly squat, vanished, disappeared, whatever. And a lot of people have learned a lot of lessons. Now, with with the ICO 101 podcast, I mean, effectively, you must be interviewing a lot of these projects. Have you seen anything change throughout? I mean, first of all, how long has it been going for? I think we launched ICO 101 in January or February. I cannot remember. Okay, so it's a, it's, it's a seven, eight, nine month, month uh, show. So yeah. have you seen anything change since you've been interviewing these projects? Yeah, I think that um, some of the changes is that I've seen is the um, there I've seen some more securities, but I think that talk to companies and the companies that want to come on, man, I think that the amount of the amount of capital raises has gotten a little more in line with the size of the project. And I think that the better leaders or the more experienced operators within an, a, a business side of things has, has allowed them to launch. So I think that the investors have gotten savvy enough to go, okay, well, the market isn't, it's not all peaches and cream. And so we need to be a little more selective about the team that we invest in. Because blockchain is amazing. You know, there's so many brilliant people out there. But there's a lot of incompetence in running the business, and that's the problem. And so, and so that's the change that I think that I have seen the most. 
Because an idea without execution is just an idea. No matter whether you've got $20 million or, or, or $10, if you can't execute, then there's a real issue there. And that, that's that's always been something that I've been concerned in in many projects. I've got nothing nothing against young entrepreneurs by any stretch of the imagination. I, I support them. I think that they're great. And, you know, um, I literally do support them. You know, we, we are invested in some projects with some very young teams and we offer different levels of advice and help and whatnot to, to help these people. But the um, the issue the issue that I've had is if there's no chairperson or, or, or you know, wise advisors and, and and also how how invested are these advisors time wise you know you see all these you see all these photos of these people and you go oh wow they're ex morgan stanley or they're this or they're that or they're this or that now when people when i see an investment banker um when anyone's pitching me a project or a business or whatever it may be and they go oh i spoke to an investment banker and they think this 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 i go well i, I just don't really care what the investment banker thinks and no 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 offense to investment bankers out there that are listening it's it's just that you know how to work within an investment bank. That's not the world. <laughs> you know, investment banks operate in a certain way and you work within their framework. Doing business, being an entrepreneur is so different to being an investment banker. And how would an investment banker assess and appraise and value an ICO project? So it's about having the right people in that team that have got the right levels of experience, but also I don't just want to see their photo. I want to know how much they're going to be involved in that project. And I'm hoping that the maturity is brought more so this year as we've seen a lot of ICOs uh, hold back on their raise. I think that the issue that I've come across with advisors is the skin in the game. And in this in I, I had the I was very fortunate to be able to work with some very sophisticated investors and had business mentors when I lived in Shanghai, China. And if they were an advisor on a project or a startup or a new business. That meant they had skin in the game more than their time. They usually had some money in there. And what in this space, you're an advisor because they want to put your name on there because they're going to get a slice of the pie if it goes moon. And I think that's, that's horrible. That's not good at all. And, uh, and that's, where I, that's where I see with the advisory thing. I think... It's. I was just thinking about this not too long ago. Actually, I did a podcast episode on it, and then I was just thinking about it again. Is somebody along the way in in raising ICOs came up with a brilliant business model for launching ICOs, and everybody else copied it blindly? That's what I think happened in the space somewhere along the way. Oh, here's your LinkedIn. Oh, here's your advisor. Oh, here's how the structure works, and here's how these successful companies do it. Moon, boom, get in, get out. And I just think that that's gone or nearly gone or will be gone very soon. Oh, I think so. Have you found, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you have a platform, people come on, they speak about their projects. Have, have you found, uh, you know, I'm sure you probably had a lot of, uh, a lot of interest. I mean, we, we have huge amounts of interest of ICOs wanting to get in the show. We, we don't do, uh, we don't, haven't interviewed any ICOs on the Trader Cold Crypto podcast for a very long time uh, just because, you know, We'll, we'll do something different for that sort of feel. But have you found this year since the market, or well, the last couple of months, obviously Ethereum has continued to uh, lose its value um, and, and people in this space are more about sort of holding on to what they've got. You know, we've heard the word hodl pretty much every day for the last, I don't know, forever really. Um, are you finding that there's less projects that are approaching you because there's less that are coming to market or is that just a, is that a fallacy you think? I think there's less projects. I think there's less projects because there's – all the good money got gobbled up in 2017. 
And then the projects that are coming to us are mostly have been almost fully funded. And a little bit has just been around for the community. And, and part of it is just for community sake, the, the, the sake of building the community. Yep. More so than needing the money. But with these projects, obviously, they're already self-funded. We're seeing a lot more VC coming into the ICO space, into the tokenized uh, world. Uh, you know, VC companies are doing their thing, running their own models, which is good. It's, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's, you know, that that does bring in a level of due diligence. And if you have a VC firm backing a project, you can kind of go, well, at least somebody's been doing some form of research because they're not just going to throw money hand over fist. Are you, are you finding that with that changing landscape, that you are seeing much more maturity in the projects that you've been interviewing? Maturity as in how? Well, you know, like what we are talking about before, you know, people that have got business experience, you know, these are not young kids with big ideas. They, they might be young kids with big ideas, but they've also got big business behind them or, or, or you know, uh, the execution team to, to help them. You don't go and raise, you know, it's very rare that you'll, you'll raise all your money uh, without going to the crowd if um, – if you're structured, if, if you've got a different sort of approach, whereas it was just simply, right, here's an idea, let's put it to the masses and hope that all the dumb money buys it, and that's no offense to anybody, but, you know, dumb money is easy to collect if, it's, if, you know, if dumb money is flowing. It's much more difficult to raise capital on these environments and more traditional routes being taken. So, therefore, the projects, their execution, their presentations, their pitch decks, their roadmaps need to be very, very detailed to then – raise the capital in this current environment and their expectations need to be in line with that as well are you finding that that brings a new level of maturity into the ico space for the last few months yeah i i think the level of leadership i've interviewed in the last few maybe several minus a few minus a few i'm not saying everybody by the way yep. but I, and i want to be careful not to yeah, name yeah, names <laughs> but i have seen very good leadership teams, very good leadership teams. And I think that that is, for me, that's a measure because I wasn't a VC. I've spent most of my uh, professional career in leadership operations, um, b- running businesses. And when, I, and when I get somebody on ICO 101, I am looking at it from the average consumer's perspective. I'm not a tech guy. I'm a business guy, an operations guy, a leadership guy, a teams guy. And so I ask them about that because if there's incompetence in that organizational structure and that incompetence happens to be in the top three, it's done. And so I want our listeners, the average consumer, to at least have heard from their mouth what they do, how they do it, why they do it, and and try to get a, a glimpse of their leadership style, if at all possible. Yeah, it makes sense because it is an important thing. You know, leaders run companies and uh, a good leader brings the company with them and brings a good team and uh, and then everything else can be done. If you've got a bunch of people that are pissed off because the leader is a tyrant or a horrible person, then it's very difficult to get uh, to get beyond that. We've all worked for, well, I haven't really worked for one, but, you know, most people have worked for an asshole and most people have worked for a saint. Everybody's worked for bad bosses. Correct. Exactly. I hope I'm not one of those, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're fantastic. I'm pretty nice to my team. Hey, listen. Any any uh, any notable projects that you've been interviewing this year? Is there anything that sort of that made you go, "Wow, that sounds brilliant"? Or like not even from an investment point of view, just just from a that could really change the world type thing, and you might actually do that. Anything that's sort of really notable from your point of view, mate? Yeah, I liked Ergo a lot. 
I liked, um, I just, I just interviewed them. That'll be coming out shortly. I liked Phil. I really, really liked Phil. Uh, Turnio, great guys. We've had them on twice now. Uh, Zeke's, I like Zeke's because Zeke's has a very practical way of spending currency, cryptocurrency via their gift. And, you know, I really, really like those guys. Those are, those are the top three for me that um, have, have really stuck out. So what were they again? You got Zeke's, work backwards, Zeke's. Zeke's. Zeke's, Turnio, and Ergo, A-R-G-O. Zeke's, Turnio, and Ergo. Excellent. Well, there you go. You've got it straight from the horse's mouth. Aaron Paul, host of the ICO 101. <laughs> I'm sorry, I messed that up. A-E-R-G-O. A-E-R-G-O. There you go. We got it. Straight from Aaron Paul, host of ICO 101. Aaron. This is not investment advice. (laughs) Nothing is ever investment advice. We're just commentators in the media. That's what we do. But, mate, for for people to listen to the show, to find out more about you and and what you guys are doing, where would they find more information, Aaron? They can go to crypto101podcast.com. And from there, there's two separate uh, branches Uh, Crypto 101, which is. Matthew's Matthew Aaron's portion, um, and then my portion, ICO 101 podcast. Excellent. Well, look, it's been a pleasure having uh, both yourself and Matthew on the show the last couple of weeks covering uh, the different aspects you do. I wish you all the success in the future. I look forward to, I think I'm going to jump on uh, with Matt later on in the year and have a chat about trading and helping uh, your audience with what I do. And uh, I look forward to seeing you progress down the track. I'm not sure we'll bump into each other somewhere in the world. Aaron, thank you so much for your time and all the best, mate. Listen, guys, jump on, listen to those podcasts, get across everything. Of course, you know, I'm not somebody who says you can only listen to me. I want you to grow your horizons, expand what you're doing, listen to others, and get a really well-rounded view of this entire blockchain and crypto space. Have a great day, ladies and gentlemen. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters.